Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Hello, Gotham. Joker's back in town. I'm not wearing hockey pants. And now you're listening to the new and improved Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast with your host, Alfred. No! What is going on, OTC listeners? Another episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast that is in your life today. Another day of isolation. And here we are just bored out of our minds where we're like, oh my god, I can't wait for everything to get back to normal. I need some fun. I need some content. I need sports. I need movies. I need I need to be with my loved ones. I want to eat at my favorite restaurant. All of that is going to come very, very soon. I'm hoping very, very soon. I can't promise anything, but as small businesses will start to open up, all we can do is just be patient. We should not be protesting. We should keep doing what we're doing with the social distancing, maintain our homes, save lives, stopping the spread. We're just doing what we can. And we need entertainment. We need something to go round, round, right, round. I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but <laughs> I'm just having fun here. But that's what we need, entertainment. And that is going to be very interesting after this podcast episode is finished. This episode today is going to take a look back on Harley Quinn Birds of Prey, formerly known as Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Such a long title, I know. Now that it's on video on demand, I took the liberty of purchasing it for $20, which means I now have it for life on, you know, Prime Video. And as I was watching the movie and I thought to myself, what exactly went wrong here? What happened where it stopped from being mediocre to could have been a gigantic success? You know, and after some reviewing, after researching and reading articles and watching, you know, YouTube clips and forming my own opinion, I think I might have that answer. I think I do. And that's what's going to be what this episode is about. Before anything else, we're going to give our shout outs. I want to shout out to Dana White, the president of the UFC, for trying his absolute best to bring in UFC 249 to be the first guy to bring a professional sport back on the map for everyone else to follow. And it just didn't work out because of the governor of California that says to ESPN slash Disney, hey, just tell him to stop. You know, just tell him to stop. We have an epidemic over here and we have a pandemic going on around the world and it's just not the time. But I have to give a shout out to him because... He is one persistent son of a bitch. I will give him that. And that is something to be admired. Crazy. Maybe ego-driven. But it is something to be admired. That's enough with the shoutouts. Let's take a look at Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey. Here we go. As I was watching this movie, I thought to myself, how is it that it did not succeed as it should have been? Because after the success of Joker late October, you would think that a fan favorite like Harley Quinn would do extremely well and follow suit after Joker. Harley Quinn, as we know, is Joker's girlfriend. So we would think that an icon, uh, an iconic person, a fan favorite like Harley Quinn, would shoot up to the stars and be one of the most successful movies out there. So what happened? Well, for one thing, 
for, there were a lot of fans that were complaining about this movie being way too identical to Deadpool and Deadpool 2. And I can understand those frustrations, but there are tons of comic book characters that are so alike in a plethora amount of ways. Hell, Deadpool is, if, if you truly think about it, he's kind of the love child between Spider-Man and Wolverine. Wolverine's healing factor, Spider-Man's, you know, charm and his quick wits and his joking and everything else. Like, there are a lot of characters in the comic book world, in the universe itself, that has a lot of similarities. And I don't really have a problem with Harley Quinn and Deadpool sharing those similarities. It was pretty clear that Warner Brothers wanted to make Harley Quinn DC's version of of Deadpool. To me, there was absolutely nothing wrong with that. Both break the fourth wall. Both are batshit crazy. Both are dealing with an emotional loss of a loved one. One, in terms of Deadpool, losing Vanessa to, you know, to death, a gunshot, even though towards the end of the movie, he resurrected her, saved her back. And the other one, dealing with a hard breakup from the Joker. Another thing, both are dealing with a troubled youth that is a misunderstood piece of shit and is a fucking asshole. Also, both actors kind of look identical, but I'm not here to butcher anybody's looks or in any way, shape, or form. As I was watching the movie, I was thinking to myself, why did it not do as good as it should have? And I have my notes right in front of me, and I feel like there are so many different factors in terms of why it didn't do well, okay? And to me, there are three major problems, four of which, the fourth, is my own personal take. So, like I said, I'm going to go on a tangent about this, okay? So, please bear with me. Here we go. First major problem was the marketing, okay? The marketing was all over the place, and it was never really concise of the actual term Birds of Prey. First of all, the name. Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. You have ten words in that title itself, okay? And I understand the fantabulous emancipation part is a subtext, but you have to understand, that's a long fucking title. And if the first words are birds of prey, that means it should gear towards the actual birds of prey, but instead, it is a Harley Quinn movie. So, the mistake you've already made is the fact that Harley Quinn should have been at the very forefront before the Birds of Prey part of the title, which is why it only took maybe a week or a week and a half for them to rename the actual product, and people were like, okay, what the hell are we doing here? What the hell are we doing? So that's a a number one category, a number one mistake within the marketing aspect. Another problem with the marketing, the billboard. I live in New York City. And I travel around 42nd Street and 14th Street, and I go downtown every once in a while. So right away, you can tell that the billboard, it's full, it has to pop. It has to engage the audience in terms of what it is that is on your poster. And aside from Harley Quinn, that is basically played by Margot Robbie, who we know from Suicide Squad and other movies that she's been in with Will Smith and other actors, Ewan McGregor, and so on and so forth, you can't really tell who the other characters are. You got Renee Montoya that you don't really recognize who she was, Cassandra Kane that looks nothing like her comic book counterpart, and you got 
Black Canary that basically doesn't have her trademark fishnet stockings you or the motorcycle jacket. You don't have Huntress, which in, in a way you kind of do, but has her trademark crossbow. None of these characters look like their comic book counterparts, with the exception of Harley Quinn. If you did not have those names that were plastered right next to the actual characters, you would have no idea who any of these characters are. There's an old saying, less is more. And the billboard, to me, completely missed the mark in so many different ways. The trailer, the trailer itself had no purpose of depicting who the Birds of Prey are. It was all about Harley Quinn. Why? Because this is a Harley Quinn movie. It had her voiceover. It had her speaking from beginning to the end. It had some B-roll shots over the Birds of Prey characters that were, in a way, the background and the main forefront is Harley Quinn. So, the trailer did not do it justice. Also, and this is going to tie into the actual characters, when you hear Birds of Prey, and this is for the hardcore fans, when you hear Birds of Prey, what do you think about? The three main core characters are... Batgirl, Huntress, and Black Canary. There was no mentioning of Batgirl, nor Barbara Gordon, no Oracle whatsoever in this movie. Okay, and I am a hardcore Batman fan, and I know this for a fact. There was no mentioning of Batgirl at all. How could you have a Birds of Prey movie if you do not have those three core characters together? Especially with Batgirl that founded the Birds of Prey in the comics. Okay? That, to me, is an insult to the fans. That, to me, is an insult to the actual foundation of who the Birds of Prey are. So, the marketing, to me, was not good at all. The second thing, and this is where I'm going to go on a weird tangent here, the political agenda. When you have actors like Ewan McGregor go on Ellen or Jimmy Kimmel or whoever talk show these actors are on now, and they do what they do best, which is promote the movie or show that they're in. Okay, fine, I get it. Then he comes along, and I'm paraphrasing here, he comes along with saying, this movie represents against misogyny and feminists, and it's an actual feminism point of view. When you have words like misogyny and feminism and sexism, and you promote that as your product, it actually dissuades people away from the movie. You have people, like... Crazy people, and I'm not saying all of them, but you have a good majority of them when they shove these words down your throat. And it's not just that, it's religion, politics, um, cults, anything. When they when you shove something so far down someone's throat, it makes you resent them so much more. It really, really does. Not to mention, I feel like we're just throwing out the idea of feminism so much in this in this weird way where it's like it, it's taken too lightly now because the woke people just throws it out and they have really have no idea what it entails the idea of feminism is for everything to be equal for rights to be equal between gender race socioeconomic um policies uh, sexual orientation, that everything should be equal between men and women of all race, color, gender, what the fuck ever, okay? 
this was not really a feministic movie, no matter how much they're trying to market themselves to be. If you truly, truly think about it, maybe behind the scenes in terms of choosing specific characters on playing, I'm sorry, specific actors on playing characters, Black Canary being played by a black woman, Cassandra Kane being played by an Asian, and then you got a couple of white uh, people, and then you got a couple of, you know, uh, 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 Asians here and there. I get that portion, but in the context of the film, this wasn't really a feministic movie because there was no equality that deals with men and women as a whole. At least to me, it didn't. If you look at past movies right now, what are some of the m movies that you can make strong arguments for feministic movies? Wonder Woman, that's number one. Why? Because the main two characters, Wonder Woman and Steve Trevor, played by Chris Pine, they were equal in so many ways. Kill Bill. You can make a strong argument for that too. Even though Quentin Tarantino had no qualms of promoting it as a feminist movie, it in a way you can make some kind of argument for that. Okay? All of the men in that particular movie basically were assholes with the exception of one guy, which is Hattori Hanzo, the person that made the swords for Uma Thurman's character, Beatrix Kiddo, a.k.a. Black Mamba. So, these are just a couple examples. In fact, one of the successful horror sci-fi movies ever from the early 90s or late 80s, I can't remember the year, was Alien. You never really knew who the main character was when you saw that movie. And it wasn't until towards the ending of the film that the main character turned out to be Sigourney Weaver's character, Ripley, where you realize that you have a strong female character that can empower and take away, uh, 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 take upon all of the Alien franchises with the exception of Prometheus and, you know, Covenant and all these other recent films that is just, eh, mm, whatever. So, again, this brings to my point. You, If you have a political agenda and it's a part of your promotion as a film, it's not going to work because all you're doing is you're pushing your audience away where they just don't want to deal with things like that. Case in point, look at Brie Larson. Yes, Captain Marvel did a huge success over a billion dollars at the global box office. I get it. But what was the main foundation, What not the foundation, what was the main aspect, what was the target towards her promotion, towards her marketing? Her saying on camera that this movie was not made for white men. I can imagine that it, this must have been a huge PR nightmare for her. And it's ridiculous to me that there was not a guy or a woman or anybody to tell her this is a huge mistake. Let's back off on this because all we're doing is just alienating our fans. Okay? You are going to be hated. You are going to be resented. And I understand that the intentions are clear, but it's just not fucking worth it. It's not worth it. And I, I don't understand why Hollywood keeps on falling into this trap. I really don't get it. Aside from the political agenda, there was also a third portion of the, of the, of the movie after the production already finished, which I honestly believe was a problem. The crazy fans believing that the reason why this movie was not as successful as it should have been was because men didn't watch it. That they were blaming men. That men are the reason why these films are are, are, are failing. Or, or, or men is the reason why. And, and guess what? In addition to that, they blame Sonic, a movie that came out a week later... 
the the success of Sonic and the failure of Birds of Prey because everyone wanted to see Sonic more. First of all, we knew Sonic was going to do well because Sonic is a cultural icon for God's sake. He's the mascot for Sega Sega Genesis back then. And ever since Nintendo bought the rights to Sega, he is paired with Mario and he is a cultural phenomenon icon. You hear Sonic, you know who he is. So I don't understand why a lot of hardcore crazy fans actually thought that this was a main problem and it geared towards the failure of Birds of Prey not being as successful as it was, okay? So already you have the three problems. You have marketing, the political agenda, and the crazy fans. But there was a fourth problem that I actually saw during the film's production. Cassandra Kane. By far the worst comic book character that I've ever seen in this entire film. I'm going to excuse the fact that Black Canary's trademark Canary Cry was only used once. I'm going to excuse the fact that Huntress did not look like her comic book counterpart. I'm going to excuse all of that. Cassandra Kane is the worst fucking comic book character ever in this movie. And let me explain why. I am a hardcore Batman fan, okay? I I may not be extremely knowledgeable about it, but I know the ins and outs in terms of who the rogue gallery is. Or, or I'm sorry, who they are. Cassandra Kane in the comics is a trained elite assassin, my guy. A trained elite assassin. Why would the writers take a strong, badass character and make her into a thieving pickpocket. A fucking pickpocket. What? And, oh my god. Just talking about this pisses me off because if you if you are marketing or you are sending a strong message and this is going to go back to the political agenda part. If you are sending a strong message for everything to be equal, then at least what you would have to do is take a core character, not a core character, you would take a character like Cassandra Kane, being one of the most deadliest, badass female characters ever. And you would have people be geared towards that where they're like, oh my god, she's such a badass. I want to train like her. I want to be just like her. Instead, you had the audacity, you being the writers, you had the audacity of taking this character and make her into a pickpocket. A woman that can't fight. A woman that actually swallows a fucking diamond. What are you doing? What the fuck is going on? How did this get approved by Warner Brothers, where Batman is your cash cow, and the rogue gallery of Batman is your cash cow, and you make Cassandra Kane that? Are you fucking kidding me, my guy? What the fuck? And I'm going to, I'm going to do a flip side coin here, okay? If the main intention is to have Cassandra Kane be an assassin for a potential Birds of Prey sequel, I don't mind that at all. But there has to be some kind of progression from the character and some kind of transition from the first movie to the second movie in order for that to make sense. Have a scene, anything, that foreshadows the character for her to go into that moment for the sequel to happen. How about instead of being this weak pocket person, 
pickpocket pickpocket person, this weak character that can't fight for shit, that keeps on running away and only stands up for herself once and wants to be Harley Quinn's sidekick or what the fuck ever, have her come to Harley Quinn and be like, you know what, Harley, I'm done of these assholes. I, I have this murderous intention. I want to train martial arts. Can you teach me? You were a badass with knocking those people out with your baseball bat. Teach me martial arts because I know I want to be a badass just like you. Or how about this? If that's too direct, have her pick her up a sword. Find a sword somewhere. So that way it could allude to the idea of her of her finding her roots to become this great assassin for a potential Birds of Prey sequel. Have her learn jujitsu. Have her learn karate. Have her kill somebody. Which she regrets the idea at first, but then over time she actually enjoys the rush of taking another person's life. And that she realizes that she wants to devote her time, her effort, her energy, her life into this lifestyle where she can actually be this, become this phenomenal assassin. Hell, you want to know how that worked? Look at Arya Stark from Game of Thrones. From the beginning of season 1 all the way to season 8, you knew exactly where this was going to go. And you couldn't do that. You couldn't make this badass character as as important and awesome as she should have been. Oh my god, I am disappointed. I, 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 am, I am disappointed like a motherfucker. With all these problems that was going on with this movie, I still enjoyed it. And I know a lot of other people enjoyed it too. I would give this around a 7 out of 10 rating because it had great visuals. The action was pretty decent. The chemistry was okay. The funny moments were really, really funny. But with the marketing issues and the political agenda of misogyny and feminism and sexism and all that other bullshit. The crazy fans. And of course, Cassandra motherfucking Kane. It did not work for me at all. It really didn't. And I hope... I'm going to end on this. Because I know we're way over time here. I really, really hope that Hollywood takes this as a huge wake-up call. For them to realize that they need to have better writers. That are passionate about the characters. Passionate about the product. Passionate about the Batman... Rogue Gallery, passionate about every one of them that are competent in terms of writing good material, good scripts, and not focus on these other problems. That's all I got to say about that. That's all we have for tonight on this episode. I know we went way over time here. It's actually close to 30 minutes, but you know what? Sometimes if I'm extremely passionate about a particular subject... Like I said, I'm still testing it. 15, 20 to 30 minutes. We'll see how this goes, you know, for future events. Before we end everything off, I want to give a superhero quote of the day. Since this is episode 3, we're going to do the superhero quotes, the odd numbers. This is from Batman himself. All men have limits. They learn what they are and learn not to exceed them. I ignore mine. And my reaction to that is... Well, we kind of do have limits because of the coronavirus, but I get what you're saying, Bruce. I'm sorry, Mr. Batman, the Batman. I get what you're saying. You know, if we have limits and we know we can do what we needs to be done, we can break through, we can shatter them, and we can do whatever we can to ensure that we succeed just like you. 
Tune in next time where we're going to, you know, now that I think about it, I feel like I'm going to do a couple more of these look back episodes because, you know, I am passionate about these products. I am passionate about the comic book industry and I hope you are too. And if not, and you just like to listen to me rant and bitch and moan. And like I said from the beginning, if you disagree with anything that I say, if you're mad over what I said, this is my opinion. Maybe one day I would like to have an actual hardcore feminist to be a guest on the podcast and we can actually talk about and she can make me see that there's another side that I'm probably not seeing especially from this movie that maybe it has a lot more to do with the equal rights of men women etc etc you know maybe there's something I'm not seeing this is my opinion if you know more by all means enlighten me I have an open mind and I would like to hear the other side of that coin I really really do That's all we have for tonight. Tune in next time where we're going to talk about more crazy stuff going on. Any more comic book news. What's it going to be? I have no idea, but it's going to bring to your attention. As of right now, I'm done. I'm through. Peace out.